0: Okay, you should put it closer to me, I'm going to be doing all the talking. <laughs> Welcome to a new episode of All the Talking podcast. This is a series of interviews with um, interesting characters from the New York music scene and beyond New York. This is inspired by a conversation I had with Paul Blay about 20 years ago when uh, he said, you should put the microphone close to me because I'm going to be doing all the talking. So today, (laughs) Gerald Cleaver, drummer, composer, and uh, electronic musician is uh, is here with me and he's going to be doing all the talking.
1: So welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: Um, Gerald, um, you were just saying to me a second ago that your dad plays drums?
1: Right. Yeah. He's... um, He's a, um, what I call a bebop baby, you know, he came up in firmly in the bebop era, you know, and he started playing drums around 19 years old, and that must have been around 1949, 1950, and, uh, you know, grew up in Detroit around all the great, uh, players like, uh, Barry Harris, Tommy Flanagan, Kenny Burrell, uh, you know, you name it. More and more of those guys, Did you Elvin see? Jones. All oh, right. So you must have received some of that magic. Somewhere. Well, I mean, I, I like to think so. You know, like the uh, the um, the legacy of of Detroit is pretty heavy and uh, uh, very uh, humbling and and inspiring at the same time. So uh uh the, the one one of many cool things is that you know there's a lot of individuality there in Detroit you know like there's no h- hard pressure to do this or be in this camp or you know what i mean you can you can do whatever you want to do mm, that's and that's yeah that's that's the way i grew up with that's interesting. And, yeah So um, when I when I talked to you in the past, you
0: always mentioned Detroit as like very important Mm -hmm. for you. What was it like to grow up
1: there? Oh, it was it was a great place to grow up as a kid. You know, like prior to the uh, the car industry uh, changing radically, and uh, then the crack epidemic came. Uh, Those were the the primary. Uh, instigators of the downfall you know Uh, as everybody knows you know like the car thing was so devastating so uh but but that happened later really um but as a kid it was like a charming city you know like it was totally safe it was like You know, you could just go and ride your bike. There were no worries about somebody snatching you off the street and all like, you know. So were you like going to see your dad playing? he rehearse rehearsing the house? He rehearsed in the house, you know, bring his friends over and and uh, we go see him play, you know. Like he was a full-time musician with a day job, you know, and raised his family. But he was as serious as i am with the music which is really great. I don't he's far from being a hobbyist he really was. a professional which which recording is there a recording we can the, check out? No, no recordings. Nothing do, no, no documentation. No, no, no documentation.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so not even like uh, something on YouTube or something. Nope. We can say. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you, you you don't have any Recordings or anything oh, just memories? like tapes and tapes, got yeah. tapes,
1: tons, okay. tons. Okay, so this stuff Hundreds. never never got released. He, oh no, 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 no! <laughs> I'm talking about like live recordings. Oh, with who? I mean, like, all just like local Detroit people. Okay, you know, you you
0: listen to this stuff every now and then.
1: Oh yeah, he'll play it. He'll yeah. play it for me. Yeah. Like his self-recorded, you know, stuff. You moved to New York. Like,
0: relatively. Recently, you now I mean, like you it, grew up in, in Detroit and you stayed in, in yeah, Detroit. Yeah, for... I left
1: Detroit um, twice. I, I moved to Detroit. I mean, I moved to New York twice. Okay. Uh, first time was in 99 and the second time was 2002. Okay. So basically in 99, I I, um, I was still teaching in Michigan. So and I was touring with Jackie Terrison so I, I never even really spent much time in New York. So I thought it was uh, uh, n- not too smart to 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 be at wit's ends trying to connect all these things. So I moved back to Detroit, came back to New York in 2002, and uh, then I felt settled. So that's when I say I've, I really came, it's in 2002. And how long have you been in the neighborhood? The whole time. Amazing. Yeah. You just yeah. this
0: is the first place, very first place where the, you moved to?
1: Uh the second. Okay. Yeah. We moved from one apartment to another one right across the street. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Feel lucky, you know. Yeah. None of this going here and there and everywhere.
0: We were talking about just now about musicians based around Parslope. When I moved to New York in, uh-huh. in two thousand. Mm-hmm. That's where we, I was like 577 Fifth Avenue, you know, South Slope, uh-huh. and basically got too expensive. And we had to move across on the other side of the park. Mm-hmm. So, but pretty much, I think we moved here around the same time. Yeah, you know. and is this something that you would like to to improve in the city if you could choose one thing? Mm-hmm. That to see very change in the next ten or twenty years, what would it be you for musicians? For for
1: musicians in New York, based in New York. Uh, well, uh, for musicians, really for artists in general, housing, okay. you know, is I feel like the number one uh, nemesis. Rent is, Rent is way too expensive, and if you have a safe, comfortable place then I feel like you can really uh, be creative. You can be free to be creative instead of always trying to fight this fight of, you know, the dollar, you know. The hard part is often facing yourself, you know. So just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm... Okay, like you're sitting and 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 in your creative zone, and you come up against, like, oh, sh- okay, what am I gonna do now? How, how am I gonna challenge myself? What's, it's, you know, it's not, not to make things easy. That's what I mean, you know. So, you, but you need you need safe space in, in which to of to to go deep into that kind of mindset. Okay. I mean, you're from
0: Detroit. You feel like New York is still relevant. I mean, some people say... Oh, it's oh most about. definitely. Some people say you don't need... I mean, as a musician, you, yeah. you, you, as a creative jazz
1: improviser, you don't have to be in New York. you can be somewhere else. Yeah. So, you know what? That's, that's only an answer that New Yorkers can answer, you know, because you and I know that, like, when I moved here, I was on a different level of playing and the city brought me it, it it I I bought into the energy of this city. But you and, were good from the beginning. Oh well thank you. Man. <laughs> you know what I mean. I yeah, saw you <laughs> I just mean like I just mean like the it, the city gives you like energy. Of course. It raises your consciousness, I feel like. And and and, and other places. It's the only city that does that. Yes, this is the only city in the United States, or maybe even the world, with this kind of energy. Okay. So, I say that you don't have to necessarily live here in order to be creative. You know, there are tons of creative people in other mm-hmm. places, but it's just different. It's going to be a different energy. That's something that Paul Blay mentioned
0: in that interview. When when I talked to him, he said. You know, you don't have to live in New York, but you have to try to spend as much time as possible there, because that's just the place to be. Mm-hmm. He told me I, I was gonna, I wanted to move to Paris. I was living in London. I wanted to move to Paris, and he said, "You gonna move to Brooklyn?" I said, "I'm not gonna move to Brooklyn. I, it's complicated. Visas, mm-hmm. money. I mean, I, I, my family's in Rome. I'm gonna from London. I'm gonna go closer to Rome. I'm gonna move to maybe Paris. Is a good compromise." And for two hours, he kept going. <laughs> you, you're gonna move to Brooklyn. You're gonna. By the end of the conversation, you I said, like, "Okay, I'm hour, gonna yeah. move to Brooklyn."
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, it's interesting what you're saying. Wow! And um, yeah, it's. Uh, I remember. I remember seeing you playing the first time. I heard your name before, and people were like, "You know, Gerald Cleaver is, you know, it's the best. It's great." Mm. You know, um, when people, you know, tend to talk about something mm-hmm. you know maybe it's me but I don't go there right away I mean, you know either. what I mean I'm trying mm-hmm. you know I, I want to discover things by myself yeah. it's just like a yeah. different I'm the system same way. but I remember one being in the in the basement of CBGB mm-hmm. for the series that Pop mm-hmm. was running Love that and series. I saw this drummer and he was doing incredible stuff and he was like playing brushes like, like I'd never seen before and i was like who's this guy and he said gerald cleaver so you know I, I remember that must
1: have been yeah that's funny
0: 2005 maybe yeah is it possible
1: yeah yeah for sure oh i love that 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 space down there it's just uh how how, how can you i mean where did you learn playing brushes like that uh you know i got a lot from watching videos like watching jack DeJohnette, and I, I got a lot from this brush book by Clayton Cameron. I forget the title of that that brush book. Uh, and, you know, like watching my dad. It was sort of like firsthand um, jazz brush technique, you know, like he'd show me things. I think it was really just the seeing, the scene, the, rela- the relationship to the music. In in a way that it became like just another language. You know what I mean? Like you sit down and then you start talking about stuff. This this the normal things that we talk about. Uh, you know, I was doing that with my dad at a young age. Not not really old, knowing. Old were you when? Oh, talking. from like. You know, like I don't know when I start playing drums. I don't have an age. But I I I dated to um, certain popular records of the time, so I remember the record A B C mm. Jackson Five. That was like 1972, I think, or three. Mm. So that means I would have been nine or ten years old. Okay. Uh, so and then I remember playing some like uh, James Brown stuff, like like. Say it loud! I'm black and I'm proud, or something. sex machine. so, so that. So let's say like early '70s okay. when I first started playing. And so, and listening
0: consciously about, as a drummer. I mean, you're talking about just listening, uh, playing music in in your room and just checking it out, or listening from a drummer point of view. we said,
1: "No, I was just listening like a kid listens, you know, like, oh, I like that. I like that. Da da da." It, and and really being fascinated by the drum parts and and trying to figure them out but not quite knowing how to do it, you know. Uh, yet, you know, but just like I was definitely listening like a drummer. Uh, and the thing is, it was just fun it wasn't like lessons or anything like okay so now i'm gonna go downstairs and do my drum lesson it was just like oh i watch i'm gonna watch some cartoons okay oh i'll play some drums you know it was like that so it was really nice you know like i feel fortunate that i was able to grow up like that i think this is
0: very interesting because i i talk to people and something that comes up um, and I, I hope parents are gonna listen to this, mm-hmm. because imposing music classes to a kid uh-huh. is the best way, especially if it's the kid is not feeling a hundred percent, or maybe the teacher is too strict and there's a lot of, you know, exercises on top of homework and becomes just a chore on top of everything else. Kids tend to just shift not always but it's quite likely that you're going to push away the kid from music. Uh-huh. Look, parents are very enthusiastic about, you know, music. They are musicians or maybe they just music lovers. They want to make sure the kids learn the music. Sure. And sometimes it's just the worst thing you can do to impl- impose some clarinet classes yeah. on, on these kids that eventually they just can't do it. It's just too much. But if you face music as a as a playtime, as a as a as a, as a you know, fun moment in your life. I think it just you, you create your own space, and you, yeah.
1: you, you know. I think parents have good intentions, uh, but the the way they carry out that uh, the plan to to acculturate the kids is just not uh, it's not possible because music is not like uh, science. You know, it's not like, okay, so now you're gonna learn how to play this violin, you know, and then you're gonna be more cultured with it. You know, I mean, William Parker said something interesting the other day. He said, you know, like, the overwhelming majority of music in the world is oral. It's not visual. You know, it's not like people are sitting down with a score. They, They learn by ear. You know that, and the way you do that is by pract practicing I, trial and error, hit and miss. You know, like that's just one on one. You and you don't need a teacher for that. You know, so uh, there's a time for that, that that kind of structure, like lesson kind of structure. But you know, like I feel like kids to, should just be allowed to just play. You know. You were a full-time professor in the past. I you was. Still, do you still teach? I still teach. I I, I do lessons from time to time. Okay. You know, I like doing that. Mm. So it's something that you you still you still value and you still. Oh, for still sure. Like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I learn as much from those types of lessons as the student does, because to try and explain. Uh, Certain types of context or concepts, um, it's challenging to try and relate your experience to another person in a way that's logical and and coherent, you know, and and goal oriented. So so as to be able, want to be able to bring that person from point A to point B, mm. you know. Uh, I know it's. You know, you we can generalize,
0: but for someone that wants to start playing drums, like someone young or
1: old, what would you recommend just to as an approach? To start with whatever type of music wanted you to made you want to play the drums, and uh, just go from there. Because li- like going back to my childhood, like I was hearing the music from from the womb. Uh, But what really, really made me want to play drums, what got me excited was the Beatles, you know? Like I heard some Beatles songs on the radio and I was like, oh man, that's cool, you know, as I wanted to play along with it. So my dad bought me those records and uh, and that's kind of the beginning of like me really feeling like, oh man, I'm a drummer.
0: So your dad was open. It wasn't like a jazz drama. You gotta listen to certain things. Fortunately
1: for me, okay, he was open. Okay, Um,
0: and and do you think? I mean, you seem to be open to different things. Last night, you played a fantastic set. Thank you at the Forward Festival, with uh, uh, High Priest Mm -hmm. H H Prism, and um, and Brandon Lopez on bass. Um, That was something different. Um, it seems like whatever you do, it seems like you're very comfortable in different contexts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been like this. I mean, you you listen to different kind of music, you play into different different circumstances. I mean, I, I heard you playing in a very kind of straight ahead context. I heard you playing in a very open, you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. playing with like people like William Parker and Matthew Sheep. Mm-hmm. Last night was something
1: else again. Mm-hmm. Uh, has it always been like this for you? Yeah, and like going back to Detroit, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I can remember uh, Freeform Radio, they called it, mm-hmm. where every, they could play anything. There were no uh, boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that always was m- more interesting to me than Say, well, I mean, radio in general, seventies was much better, you know, looser. It wasn't as strict as it is now. So you'd hear some cool stuff, and then you hear the top ten stuff, of course. But like, people in Detroit listened to everything. Mm. It wasn't like, oh, this is. Even though like Motown was there, Mm. and it was a huge Motown town, of course, but that like other people. I mean, uh, you know, there were other labels that that were really strong, like Atlantic uh, with Aretha Franklin and Stax, you know, like all these really cool labels Mm. and the radio stations would play stuff like that. So that's just kind of how I grew up. Mm. Is there anything from
0: from Detroit specifically that is kind of uh, obscure and you think is
1: really good and you would like to recommend? man um i'm always struggling to keep on top of of like the hip-hop folks and the electronic guys it's all blurring together now you know um every time i hear something it's it's like it catches my ear you know i don't know those people uh and i'm all I'm just always discovering some new new folks, but I feel like it's coming from particularly from the electronic and hip hop area you know like really creative interesting things
0: you there's a there's a new album coming out, and uh, next year where you play um electronics mm-hmm. no drums it's electronics for the first time i think it's a debut mm-hmm. yeah. um What inspired you to do that? I mean, like, is this something related to Detroit Uh, background, listening to high hip hop and electronic musicians? Is something new that relates to New York, your experience in New York, something recent or something that goes back in
1: growing up in Detroit, that kind of aesthetic? Yeah, all of the above. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly all of the above. I had... um, sort of a life change meaning I really like I, maybe this has to do with getting older like really thinking okay what am I gonna do with my time and you know how am I gonna, going to improve my life and make things better and go forward in every aspect of my life so part of that was you know having a love of electronic music specifically, hearing stuff, you know, exploring and also getting surprised by something, you know, like along the way, you know, hearing stuff. And I was like, oh, man, I would like to do that someday, you know, like my kind of my take on things. And I feel like, oh, man, that's like you got to be a super tech guy to do that. You know, which I feel like I'm the opposite. They get to just beat on my drums. You know, um,
0: the drums is very kind of physical and yeah, you know, in the moment. Yeah, and this is a different process, right? I mean, oh, it's like almost the opposite, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, it is most definitely. I I think about it as sort of three distinct three distinct um, uh, frames of mind. Say like being on the drums is very, very physical and uh and then um uh, composing for other people uh sort of encompasses that too because you know like i'm thinking about like the 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 all the capabilities of the people that i'm going to play with the limitations you know, like oh maybe i can't write a trumpet part over a certain it's off their scale mm-hmm. you know Uh, off their range but like in electronic music you have no limitations you can do anything being in Detroit almost of the same age as all the the legendary techno guys I guess I really I am sort of the same age as this second wave of of folks who came Um, and hearing that being kind of like a soundtrack of Detroit you know So remind this this just listening to
0: it and and experiencing the process, it does remind you of growing up there. I mean, it must be.
1: Oh yeah, 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 definitely. You know, like to feel, like that kind of groove, it just puts you in sort of a a specific kind of mindset, where you know, like in Detroit. The 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 aspect of of like more of like a state of mind. You know, like there was a radio show w- that debuted a lot of the the techno guys. The overwhelming majority of the techno guys got uh, heard from this great radio station called uh, WGPR. And there was a guy named Electrifying Mojo who would play this music at night, you know. And so it was the coolest radio state. You know, like all of Detroit knew. Oh, okay, at ten o'clock. And how old were you when you were checking this A out? Teenager. Okay, so yeah. it's like prime time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um,
0: when I when I heard it for the first time, the recording, I would never ever guessed was Gerald Cleaver, the the drummer, jazz drummer, improviser, composer, and um, he's. I, I just loved it right away. I thought it was great because knowing, especially because it's a, it's a great album and it's coming out on vinyl. We have the, the, the Test Press yeah. right here. Oh, looking and, forward uh, to... um, oh wow. But uh, what, what, what I think is fascinating this is like it's a beautiful album, and knowing that it's coming from you, um, I think there's a lot of resistance in the jazz, creative, imp- improvised um, world towards electronic music still. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like 2019, you turn on the radio or any uh, smartphone and 99% of what we hear is digital. True. So I feel like jazz has always been um the best it is best when it's connected to current culture Mm -hmm. how come there's so much resistance from musicians from acoustic musicians I'm a drummer I play drums but the majority of people I talk to when you mention electronic music it's cool but you know there's a little bit of how how come you think it's
1: well I think part of it I think you made a good point about uh, the music thrives when it's connected to its its current culture uh, or technology you know like the reason jazz proliferated in the early days was because of the advent of radio you know I mean it's just the same as what we're dealing with now uh, with files and such it 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 pushed the music out. In in a positive way, so uh, to ignore technology, I feel like is a mistake. Um, To try to want to make the music what it used to be is is a, uh, a, a a nice thought, you know. Like we we all know what the music means to us from like 1967 or 1933. You know, it doesn't matter. All uh, every, all the, the legendary practitioners have put forward their, their, such such power and direction energy that it continues to pro- propel us forward even in this time. But you can't ignore technology. I feel like, or or, and the other thing is just context. You know, like they might be thinking about electronic music as it was from the beginnings or as it gets subverted by pop uh, moguls commercial to, to make a million bucks yeah. but I feel like you can't do that you know like it's it's a viable venue for self-expression were you conscious about
0: what you just described when you approach this project over something that you you just uh, from day one you, you thought this is what i want to do or you, you started just exploring you know like casually exploring um devices and uh, and with your computer
1: yeah well the biggest the biggest part was not should i do it or am i allowed to do it but just can i do it you know from a pure hardware perspective you know just thinking about oh, okay i got to plug stuff in or i got to learn the basics of of voltage and things like that i got to know how this works or that works uh and often like electronics are not intuitive <laughs> it's not it's not as 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 straightforward for me as uh uh like a kid, oh, definitely not as straightforward as putting putting a stick to a drum, you know, but like these kids these days, man, the kids grow up with iPads in their hands, so they're they're like beyond way beyond you know what we're what we're capable of i mean something that i i was
0: I was noticing last night that I appreciate that a lot of kids came out to see you guys playing, yeah, that's great, and um uh, you know, we grew up you know, both of us grew up in a time where there was no internet. Mm -hmm. And be able to play a set and to have kids coming out, young kids, some of them must have been 18, 19 years old, and they were there digging it. Mm -hmm. And so the comments and everybody was like, oh man, that's amazing, incredible. Mm -hmm. I think it's
1: it's you good. Think It's the
0: best reward well, mean, most that, definitely i mean that that's that's a proof that you are connected to car culture if you have it, like a, a 19 years old that comes to your show and is enthusiastic about it i think it's i think you i think it's a
1: yeah yeah, yeah you you're connecting yeah which is very cool because we appreciate our crowd yeah. you know but they're getting older you know so we need uh, new blood we need those fresh uh, uh, viewpoints,
0: yeah, I mean, you know. To inspire us, too. I mean, like, it's uh, what you were saying about the fact that we appreciate the past, but can be a museum, you know. I mean, right. we can't, you know, can be jazz, cannot be a museum. It would, It would be okay, but it would become, like, a classical music repertoire, and it's not the nature of jazz. Jazz has to be connected to the present and has to be creative and spontaneous right so it would be like it's hard to combine like a classical music repertoire like a jazz as a classical music repertoire and how can you make it spontaneous and in the moment i mean it's kind of you know kind of opposite in a way right. i mean you we don't we all love the classics but you think like coltrane would would play like coltrane in 2019 mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. or think. any of those guys yeah. they would be a completely different place and we probably wouldn't agree with it like a, a majority of the jazz population didn't agree with Miles going electric. Yeah. But you know it, it's interesting people are the same across the board because it makes me think about Bob Dylan going electric. It was the same reaction. Sell, sell out, you know, where Okay, so now, where are people now talking about Bob Dylan? Do they still, of course, I'm sure lots of people want them to go back to, like, that folksy thing, but Bob Dylan has moved in the way that he felt like he needed to go in miles the same way, train the same way. Train just died, you know. He, he, was, he was keeping, yeah, he was moving forward like a, a man, a, 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 a Nova or something supernova
0: yeah all, all our heroes faced incredible criticism Ornette was considering Ornette was, you know, completely insane yeah right I mean this is like you know the, 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 the heroes of yeah of creative music Cecil Taylor so, I mean so many of them that was the first part of the interview with Gerald Cleaver the second part will be posted in the next few weeks Stay tuned and thanks for listening to all the talking podcasts.